Welcome to Trevecca Community Church's Sermon Podcast. We hope this resource draws you closer to God and helps you grow in your faith. This week, Pastor Shauna continues our current sermon series in the Book of Romans with a message from Romans chapter 6. like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. For whoever has died is freed from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, we do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions No longer present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death into life, and present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So what advantage did you then get from the things of which you now are ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been freed from sin and enslaved to God, the advantage you get is sanctification. The end is eternal life, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Our Lord, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Sherry. I don't know about you. That sounds like the gospel to me. Amen. There is a pastor who did premarital counseling for Tim and I. Actually, we've known her for many years. Her name is Janine Metcalf. 
She's a pastor in the Church of the Nazarene, but she started off as a news reporter in Southern California. And her story and dramatic turn to faith is one that's pretty well known. If you're new to the Church of the Nazarene, it's known by a lot of folks that have been around for a while. You see, when she was young, she was this extremely driven and ambitious young news reporter, very talented and quickly moving up in the news world in that region of the country. She had a rather dramatic turn to faith back in the 1980s when she was assigned to cover, uh, basically telling the stories of some of the families who had family members who were being held hostage in the Iran-Contra scandal. Anybody remember that? Alive in the 80s, you remember that? Well, she was, covered, she was covering the families during that scandal. Well, one of the families uh, was the family of a Nazarene pastor in Southern California, the son of Earl and Hazel Lee. And so on this reporter's beat that Janine was on, uh, she got to know Earl and Hazel, became almost a part of their family, just constantly asking them questions, spending time in their home. And there was something about them that she had never encountered before. There was something about Christ in them that was so compelling to her that in that relationship she formed as a reporter in Southern California, she gave her life to Christ and it radically turned the trajectory of her life. She walked away from a promising career in the news industry and began studying for ordination as a pastor. It was this dramatic shift in her life for her where she gave up the old self, the old Janine, and she took on this new life in Christ that was dramatically different. There was this old Janine that was driven to pursue her career and to climb the ladder, to build a name for herself. And now there was this new Janine who was willing to walk away from everything to follow after Jesus. But the old Janine who wanted fame and esteem, that old Janine was still lurking somewhere in the background. It was still lurking somewhere even after she had left that life behind and had been ordained as a pastor. And so one day, she's told the story in many places, but but one day she comes and confides in a mentor of hers, a woman who was kind of an old time evangelist. And, and had become a mentor of Janine, and she just confides in her, saying, I'm just, I'm struggling. I find that I still have that old Janine lurking, where even now as a pastor, I want to use this to pursue my own ambition. I want to climb the ladder. There's still that old me somewhere lurking in the background. And this sweet little old Nazarene evangelist got a bony finger right in her face and said, Janine, crucify it! That's the way Janine tells the story. And if you've heard an old-time evangelist, you know what that sound sounds like. Crucify it! Janine was sort of taken aback that that was the response. Crucify it! But that, that rang in her heart and in her ears for decades and decades to come, that call to crucify it. See, the passage that Sherry read for us this morning, Paul is describing this entry point between the old life and the new life, a transition from Adam to Christ, a transition from law to grace, from sin and death to eternal life, and that entry that he describes right there in the beginning of chapter six is baptism. Those waters, they are like the curtain that take you from one life into the next. Baptism is what we call a a sacrament which means it's a work of God's grace, something we can't do for ourselves 
but what God's grace only can do for us. It is a free gift that we receive. Baptism is a public witness of God's gift of grace that welcomes us from the old life in sin to a new life in Christ. And it's not the magic of the waters that does it. It's what God does for us when we say yes to God. And in the sacrament of baptism, we symbolically enter the grave with Christ. Have you ever wondered why we do that crazy thing with a big tank and people are literally like held underwater? Have you ever wondered why we do it that way? Well, it's symbolic of a grave. Where, where you go down under the waters, you are sealed off from the life-giving breath that you so desperately need. You are sealed under the weight of the water. And then while you are under the water, the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is spoken over you. The Holy Trinity that is an endless relationship of love that is making all things new. And when you rise up from those waters, gasping to fill your lungs with fresh resurrection air, A new creation in Christ Jesus comes dripping with grace, living not for yourself, but into God's eternity. The Christian community then, that Paul describes at the end of the book of Romans, and if you've been with us a while, you know we started at the end, we've been reading Romans backward. Well, the Christian community that's described in chapters 12 through 16 at the end of the book of Romans, it is a community of the baptized, a a community that is the outcome of this gift of grace, the fruit of God's new creation, the peace and unity that he calls for that tears down division and dissension where Jews and Gentiles, men and women, slave and free, people like Phoebe and Junia and Andronicus, Priscilla and Aquila, Narcissus and Herodian can sit around kitchen tables plotting the revolution of the kingdom of God as one body moving in the likeness of Christ. But the doorway into that community, entering into the death of Christ, renouncing the powers of sin, baptism is that doorway because it assumes that we've died to our old self. We're not bringing our old self into this new life. And so these other believers now, we can live at peace with them because they no longer pose a threat to me. We have all died with Christ who is our life. Our kids have uh, been pretty inspired these last couple of weeks by the Earth Day events that they had at school a couple weeks ago. It was Earth Day, and I guess their school just kind of went all out for Earth Day. And they, they came back, you know, talking with us all about Earth Day. The unexpected outcome was found them kind of digging through our trash and informing us, hey, mom, you could recycle this, you know? grabbing something out like, mom, you don't have to throw this away. I bet you could reuse this and make it something else. And my favorite, buddy, I didn't know you were going to be here in the service this morning when I wrote this sermon this week, but my favorite is they've discovered composting. And they've asked us, mom, can we start a compost bin? Wouldn't that be great? And our fam- you have not seen a family go through as many apples, bananas, and pears as the Gaines children go through, I promise you. 
And they said, wouldn't it be great if we could take our orange rinds and our pear cores and our banana peels and just throw it in a compost pile? Mom, do you know what it does in a compost pile? It becomes soil. And you can grow stuff out of that soil. Let's start composting. And so we, we've said, this, yeah, we can look into that. That'd be cool. Well, we haven't yet actually got a compost bucket or barrel or anything like that. And so what is currently happening in our house is our kids will finish an apple or a pear or whatever, and they will just hold it over the floor and shout, compost! And then they'll just drop it on the floor, wherever they are. And so it is not uncommon in our house right now to hear from one end of the house somebody shout, compost! And at the other end of the house to hear me shout, that's not how it works. <laughs> Can't just drop rotten fruit around the house, right? That is not how compost works. But woven into the very fabric of creation is this wisdom that the only way to really live is to die. The ecosystem tells us that in this delicate balance of life and death, decay and fertilization, our bodies are constantly replacing cells, growing new ones as old ones die off. Our daily rhythm even of sleep and rest tells us that unless we come to the end of the day and surrender our work and lay down and enter a good, deep, I mean death-like sleep, I need it for at least eight hours. I don't know about y'all. Unless we really enter into that deep rest, we are not going to have much life in us the next day, right? You see, we don't have to be taught this as young children. No one needs to explain to us that in order to say yes to really living, we must say no to the part of life that is not actually living anymore. And yet, against all of our natural instincts and embodied wisdom, we resist crucifixion. We still resist crucifixion. And like Janine, we hold on to that old self, even though it's only a shadow of true life. And we cringe when someone puts their bony finger in our face and shouts, crucify it! Because the it that needs crucifying isn't an it, it's me. Perhaps this is because there are so many voices telling us that we don't ever have to say no. We don't ever have to say no. We can always say yes. We don't have to die in order to live. We can make a good life for ourselves. Self-help books tell you that you can reinvent yourself. Youth culture tells you that you can grab hold of life. Republicans will tell you that you can pull yourselves up from your bootstraps and build a life, while Democrats tell you you can legislate and mandate that everyone must have a better life. And podcasts will tell you how to live your best life, and you can listen to those at double speed so you can get right back on to living. I mean, we never have to say no to anything. We can just keep saying yes and just keep saying yes. But you see, the thing is, sin is such a very sly slave master. At first, 
oh, at first it feels like freedom. Like you get to make your own choices for yourself. It feels like this freedom where you are living unto yourself and for no one else. But this life lived unto itself, it becomes turned in upon itself. And pretty soon, sin has become the master and we are working so hard to keep up. To keep up with the lies that we are telling others, to keep up with the lies that we are telling ourselves, to keep up with our neighbors, to keep up with appearances, to keep up with the promotion cycle, to keep up with just enough sobriety to hang on to this job and not to lose another one, trying so hard to keep this decaying body from entering the compost heap. And once we become a slave to that master, the labor is exhausting. And the only wages we end up earning are death. Which is ironic since that is the very thing that we're working so hard trying to avoid. But the truth that that slave master will never tell you is that for every yes, there are a million silent no's. Simultaneously given. You see, right now, you're worshiping here with us at Trevecca Community Church. You said yes to worship today, and I am so glad. You said yes to worship at Trevecca Community Church, but that also means that you said no to something, right? You said no to fishing. You said no to fixing the sink. You said no to sleeping in. You said no to taking that extra shift. You said no to something in order to say yes. And probably not just one something, probably a lot of different somethings all at once. There are countless possibilities of what you could be doing right now. To really give our best yes, we have to be honest about the no's that it requires. You know, as we're coming out of this pandemic season, I think we're all kind of trying and struggling to find new rhythms. Boundaries have been messed with, trying to find new boundaries, trying to find new rhythms. And, and as we're trying to find that, even worship is one of those hard rhythms to establish. You see, for a while, we got used to being able to saying yes to worship on our couch and yes to folding laundry, right? I bet you there's somebody home right now that's like, Oh, hmm. <laughs> and I say that because I have done that before. It, it, it kind of blurred all the boundaries of what we were saying yes and no to. It kind of like if, if you are taking your mom out for a Mother's Day lunch this afternoon and you want to say yes to Mother's Day and yes to your mom and you say pick any restaurant you want as long as there are some TVs up with some games on it, right? Like, is that your full yes to mom? To give an honest and full yes to the new life in Christ requires an honest and full no to the old life of sin. Did you know that the Christian practice of baptism for centuries, dating back to the early church, this, the very earliest practice of Christian baptism we have asked believers who, new believers who want to be baptized, if they will renounce 
the power of sin and the devil. Which I know sound, for some of our younger ones especially, that sounds very old school, right? Like, renounce the devil. It sounds like that evangelist yelling, crucify it and renounce the devil. But it's actually really important. It's actually a really important part of the Christian practice of baptism because we are saying that before you go into those waters, let's be honest here. Let's be honest about what you are saying no to. With all of these people here today as your witness, let's be honest about what you are saying no to so you can fully say yes to Jesus. The struggle is, is that we don't always know how to say no. We live in this world that tells us that we can just keep saying yes all the time, that we don't know how to say no anymore. And I struggle with this. This weekend, in fact, this weekend, Trevecca has had graduation here on campus. They've had four different graduation ceremonies for all you that helped out and worked on that. God bless you. I hope you get a nap today. Lipscomb University, where I've been a student these last few years, also had their graduation ceremony, and some of my cohort members were graduating. And on top of that, today is Evelyn's birthday, and it's Mother's Day. There's just a lot going on this weekend. And throughout the week, I'd get texts from people saying, hey, can you drop by this thing or come say hi to this person? Hey, we're going to be in town. And I'd get these text messages and just get so overwhelmed. Because my first response to that is, oh, no, how can I say yes to this? You know, like I get overwhelmed feeling like I must say yes to this. How am I going to make it happen? And so my head starts spinning, thinking like, all right, here's what I'll do. I'll, I'll, I'll run to the store on the way home from this, and then I can swing by that. And then, and then I'll, I'll get the thing ready for this other thing. And then I'll like, I don't know, teleport myself somehow across town. Because I don't want to say no. Even though saying no would really allow me to give a more full and free yes. We live in a world that drives us to keep putting on a smiling face and keep saying yes, even if it is killing you. Just keep saying yes. After all, I mean, how can you say Thanks no? Thanks for joining. When the if you're interested in participating in worship on a Sunday morning, we have a couple options for you. Question we have service on campus at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. If you're interested in joining us online, head over to Facebook and watch the live stream of our 9 a.m. service. Also, make sure you head over to our website for all of our weekly resources. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope to have you again next week. I mean, what fruit is it really producing in your life? What, What is it that's happening from this decaying, rotting fruit? And this is not only true of just individuals. This is true for the church community as well. I think he's asking this question to the community. Remember that the fruit of this new life in Christ is meant to produce a community of believers who are living at peace with one another, who are showing hospitality and mercy, who are working as one body in the world to spread the gospel. And when its members are still serving this old slave master, well, the body begins to decay. 
when we expect that we can live in community with one another and never have to hear no? That we get always hear yes to our desires at any given moment, unity is eroded and peace is shattered. But how do we say no to the slave master? You know, I feel compassion for Janine hearing those words, crucify it. In fact, I hear that story and I get a little bit anxious. I mean, how do we do that? How do you crucify yourself? Not even Jesus had to crucify himself. He had plenty of help with that. There have been times in my life that I have been so desperate to crucify something a desire, a thought, a habit, desperate for the freedom I knew would be waiting on the other side, but utterly lost as to how to do that. And maybe you're sitting here today saying, you know, sure, I would love to crucify this thing that is killing me, that keeps me running at 100 miles a minute. I feel like I can't keep it up, but I literally don't know how. It just keeps coming back. And I know that this slave master of sin that I'm slaving away trying to serve is only killing me, but I just can't bring myself to crucify it. And so we keep dragging around our decaying bodies, hoping that we can just go on like this somehow, masking the sin and division, and maybe, just maybe, grace will somehow grow out of these rotten fruit rinds lying on the floor. But just like a fruit rind will only turn to good soil when we admit that it's dead and put it on the compost heap, we will only see new life when we lay ourselves down on the altar, a place of sacrifice, when we lay ourselves down and admit that we are dead in sin anyway. So let the corpse be crucified. We can't crucify ourselves, so we lay down with Jesus and enter into his crucifixion that he endured on our behalf. And you know what? That is really good news. It's really good news because the crucifixion of Jesus and his resurrection in Jesus Christ, God has unconditionally, unequivocally, entirely and without reservation said yes to you. God has said a full and complete yes to you, yes to being with you, yes to being for you, yes to going ahead of you, yes to coming behind you, yes to ruling over you, yes to holding up the ground beneath you, yes to walking beside you, yes to lavishing your life in grace. God has said yes to you in Jesus And this is the mystery that happens when you are swallowed up in the waters of baptism and we cross that threshold from the old self to the new self, when we say no to sin and we enter into the waters of baptism and we hear God's yes over us and we come up dripping in grace and clothed in eternal life. And God breaks the chain of the slave master. 
God breaks the chain of that old slave master so that we don't have to keep saying yes every time the whip cracks. We don't have to say yes anymore because the old self is dead and gone and we are breathing new resurrection air. And with every breath, we get to say yes back to God. We're able to say an honest and complete yes to God because God first said yes to us. But we have to keep working that soil, you know. We have to keep working that soil. We keep searching and asking God, God, search me and know me. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That is our prayer constantly We keep working that soil as we find things in our lives that keep us from giving our full yes to God, things that need to go onto the compost heap, trusting that when we turn them over to God, God will be faithful to produce a harvest. Next week, we have a few of the folks in our church who have asked to be baptized. And if you're interested in being baptized next week, I just want to let you know that between services, I'm going to be hanging out in the Connection Center. If you want to ask questions, I will be there. I would love to talk with you more about baptism. Or you can email one of the staff. You can email at Trevecca, uh, info at trevecca.church. We'd love to tell you more about it. But even if you've already been baptized, but this morning you're realizing that there is something in your life that needs to be crucified, that needs to be surrendered, to be placed on the compost heap, we want to invite you next week to remember your baptism. In fact, we're going to get some water that we draw up from the baptistry and, and have bowls of it. And if you'd even like to come and to place your hand under the water and feel that water drip over your hand as you hear a pastor speak the words, remember your baptism. Remember that you are one who is covered in God's grace, raised to be a new creation in Jesus Christ. We want to invite you to be a part of that. So if you're worshiping with us from home, we want you to just be prepared. You can have a bowl of water right there and remember your baptism as well. But together, Trevecca Community Church, together we are tending the soil of this new creation, knowing that God is at work in and through us. You see, we already know the wages of serving that old slave master of sin and death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Always raising up anew from the soil of righteousness, alive in Christ Jesus. Pastor Tim is going to come and he's going to lead us in a time of prayer today. And as he does, I hope that you will find a place to truly offer yourself on the altar to make sure that you are putting it all on the altar, crucifying whatever God would call you to crucify, letting it die with Christ so that God can be the one to raise you up to new life.